you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Borderline. I'm issuing a trigger warning for the next three to four minutes of this episode because I do mention topics of self-harm and suicide. If you are not in a place to listen to that right now, please look after yourself and fast forward about four minutes. So I've been going through quite a tough time recently for several reasons. I'm transitioning from part-time work to more hours as well as my creative self-employed work. Last week was the burial of my father's ashes. Last week, I also found out that a woman in a peer group I attend passed away. I don't have all the facts, but it seems likely that the cause was either an accidental or deliberate overdose. Myself and other peers were pretty devastated as she was not doing well at all and we did all do our best to support her. I've been more affected by her passing than expected and it really hurts when someone dies, especially when the cause may be self-inflicted or accidental due to self-harm. It's hard not to imagine myself in that position too. Now these triggers or factors really affected me so I decided to reach out for more support. In seeking support, I was rudely reminded that community and NHS resources for those of us in the UK with BPD and with mental health issues in general are often scarce unless we're in severe crisis. Other than my GP, my main support network is formed of peer and self-help groups, which are sometimes hard to navigate when I'm feeling particularly emotionally distressed. Sometimes I can come out of a peer meeting feeling worse or feeling emotionally dysregulated or triggered. All this reminded me and reinforced that many of us with BPD simply do not get access to the kind of treatment we need. I have heard so many stories in the UK and in other countries too of people receiving a BPD diagnosis and then waiting months if not years for some kind of therapy. Added to this, BPD is still quite a stigmatising label and while a diagnosis can help you get referred to appropriate treatment, it also means that you may be overlooked, dismissed or ignored by mental health professionals, certainly within the National Health Service in the UK. Now, I'm not knocking the National Health Service in the sense that I'm aware that I'm very lucky to get access to free health, even though it falls short 
a lot of the time because I know that in other countries such as the US that is not available and I'm sure that accessing treatment in other countries comes with its own set of challenges. So that's why I decided to devote this episode to my 10 favourite resources for managing BPD when you are forced to get creative and look for your own ways of supporting yourself in terms of your mental health. This is in no way a substitute for professional mental health and I do want to emphasise that we shouldn't need to seek out resources when we are suffering. However, the fact is, is that if it's a choice between trying to go it alone without enough support or building up our support network, the latter is probably going to serve us best. So without further ado, here are my 10 top resources for those of us with BPD. So number one is a therapist that you can work with. I was lucky enough to receive access to a two-year group therapy treatment program through the NHS. Now, as much as I got from this program, I still felt very vulnerable after I left. And to be honest, I did not have that many healthy coping skills. Given that I wasn't working due to my mental health, my options were quite limited in terms of what therapy I could access after this program. However, I was determined to find someone who could help me. Luckily, I found a local counselling centre that offered sliding scale rates and although the counsellor I was eventually assigned did not have much experience with borderline personality disorder clients, she did understand some of the issues I faced and she was open to learning about what BPD was like for me. We developed a trusting relationship which helped me a lot as she was very validating of my experiences. After my allotted sessions with her finished, I searched the National Register for Psychotherapists and Counsellors in the UK and I'm sure there's an equivalent in all other countries. This allowed me to search for reputable licensed counsellors and therapists. I contacted a few people who had experience with clients who experienced mental health and borderline personality disorder. I will say that I had a couple of experiences which were quite disheartening, particularly with one therapist who I really liked, who I had an assessment session with and who then told me she didn't want to work with clients who had BPD. I ended up finding a therapist who fit within my budget and did have experience of working with borderline personality disorder clients and was willing to see me. She was not my first choice and at first, to be honest, I wasn't even sure I liked her. However, I decided to give her a chance and I still see her today. Seeing her has been a life-saving experience for me, as has been the previous therapy that I sought out. And despite not having access to exactly the kind of therapy I want, I make it work. You may think that counselling or therapy is out of your budget if you are not able to access it on the NHS, but it is worth looking around for low cost and sliding scale options on reputable websites like the BACP in the UK. It's worth asking any therapist that you seek out for an assessment and remember that you're effectively treating the situation like a job interview. You're interviewing them to see if they are going to be able to work with you. It's worth asking any therapist that you meet if they work with BPD clients and what their experience is. If you get the sense that they have no interest or experience in this area, look somewhere else. My second resource is online support groups. So while support groups for addiction and even depression and anxiety are fairly common nowadays, 
Groups specifically for those of us with BPD are rare unless they are specialised therapy groups. I think that any kind of support group can be useful if you identify with the group's focus. And let's face it, many of us have coexisting addictions and disorders. I have found, though, that online support groups specifically geared towards people with BPD can be a huge, huge support in a very practical way. Specifically, I'm talking about groups focused around peer support through dialectical behaviour therapy, which is a type of therapy created for people with BPD symptoms and extreme emotional sensitivity and dysregulation and suicidal urges and impulses. My tip for trying out these groups, because there are many of them on Facebook, for example, is to look for one where members are focused on recovering without being shaming or judgmental or without giving advice that they are not in a place to give, e.g. medical advice. Please remember also that people may not always be who they say they are online and I would suggest choosing groups with an admin team that regularly participates in the group. If you want specific suggestions on groups that I think are safe and supportive, feel free to DM me on Twitter. My third resource is volunteering. If you're not working right now, and even if you are, volunteering can be a great way to combat that sense of not belonging that many of us with BPD experience. Participating in a shared activity of your choosing gives you a framework for relating to other people, and it also helps to combat isolation. Plus, there are the practical advantages like getting experience for your CV. Volunteering has given me the opportunity to practice interpersonal skills, including dealing with conflict in a relatively safe and low-pressure environment. And I have made a couple of good friends through volunteering within the mental health charity arena. Number four on my list is podcasts. Obviously, I'm going to promote my podcast Beyond the Borderline as a resource for managing and learning more about BPD and BPD symptoms. Some others I think are well worth a listen are DBT Weekly, Emotional Health, Feeling Weird, and a podcast by Charlie Swenson recommended by a Twitter contact called to Helen back, which has a lot of in-depth discussions about mindfulness. Number five is creativity. Many of us with BPD, whether or not we are formally trained, are highly creative. I honestly think this is a very powerful asset that many of us with BPD have. I have found creativity to be a brilliant way to help regulate my emotions, validate myself, and even meet new people and give me a sense of purpose and meaning. And that's why I recommend it as an incredibly potent self-help tool in your coping with BPD arsenal. I recommend finding one creative outlet at a time and focusing on it. For example, you could join an adult ed course in writing, ceramics, theatre skills, jewellery, painting, cake decorating, floristry. There are so many options. You could also look up YouTube tutorials or join a local creative group like a writing group or a life drawing class. Give it a go. Movement is my number six tip for helping manage BPD. Now, if you struggle with or are recovering from eating disorders, of course, you need to be mindful of how you exercise. In general, I find exercise to be an excellent form of distress tolerance, particularly when I am more anxious or highly emotional. And attending a class is another good way to interact with people in a way that does not require too much 
one-to-one contact. You have so much to choose from. Yoga, aerobics, dance, Pilates, boxing, or you could go running or walking, which is a nice way to practice mindfulness or biking. The possibilities are endless. Number seven on my list is live support groups, which I mentioned in my number two listing. And there are many different support groups for addictions, codependency, depression, eating disorders, the list goes on. I personally attend several groups for addiction-related recovery. These groups can be very helpful if you struggle with any of these issues, as they can provide a non-judgmental space within which to address and get help. However, please be mindful that sharing your BPD diagnosis may not be the way to go in some of these groups, and that some members who do not have mental health problems in addition to the addictions that they're struggling with may not relate to some of what you say. Their experiences might be different, which can potentially feel and validating. I suggest checking out a potential group a few times and getting to know people before sharing about your specific mental health issues, if at all. I would also suggest running suggestions you get from these support groups by your therapist or mental health professionals. My number eight pick for a resource to help you manage BPD is books. There are some really great autobiographies out there by people who have struggled with and gone through a recovery process from BPD and these can be affirming and give you hope when things feel really difficult. Books like these written from first-hand experience can be really inspiring and they can remind us that we're not alone. Some of my personal recommendations are My Alien Self, My Journey Back to Me by Amanda Green, The Buddha and the Borderline by Kira Van Gelder, and Get Me Out of Here, My Recovery from Borderline Personality Disorder by Rachel Ryland. Please note that all three of these books go into detail about what it is like to live with untreated BPD. So if you think you will be triggered by descriptions of suicidal ideation, hospitalisation and sexual assault, please use your discretion when reading. Number nine, on my list is advocacy. Whether you blog, create a podcast or YouTube channel or have an Instagram account with memes or share your story in some other format, advocacy can be a really empowering way to take ownership of your experience and use it to help others. Social media gives everyone the ability to create content and it is also highly public, so it is worth thinking carefully about what you are comfortable sharing. From personal experience, I would avoid sharing anything impulsively. I would wait for 24 hours before I share something personal related to my mental health issues on social media. However strongly you may want to share something that is really important, take the time to let it percolate and figure out whether or not you really want to share it. 10. Finally, number 10. Last but not least, I want to recommend nature as a really powerful healing resource. My favourite way of bringing nature into my life is living with a dog. My beloved greyhound Ronnie passed away last year and having moved into a flat where pets are not allowed, I recently joined a website that matches dog owners with people who want to spend time with an animal as a second best option. Other ways to engage with nature are volunteering with animals or in a garden, doing your own gardening, visiting a local park, taking a day trip to a nature reserve or the sea. The possibilities are wide and varied. So those are my top 10 resources for creating a structure to help you manage your BPD symptoms when you do not have enough support from 
the NHS if you're in the UK or from the services in your country. I want to reiterate again that this is not a substitute for proper professional medical treatment and assistance. I feel very angry at the lack of resources available to many of us with borderline personality disorder. It's just not good enough to apply a dialectical way of thinking to the problem. The self-help resources I've mentioned in this podcast episode should not be substitutes for professional mental health support and sometimes they can be the difference between me having a decent day and wanting to keep going and me just not wanting to be here and feeling miserable and not enjoying my life. As always, I'd really love to hear your feedback and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these coping tools and tips. I'd love to hear your suggestions and what has worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. I'm sure there's stuff that I've missed out and we all have very different ways of coping and things that we find useful and things that we don't find so useful. Please do share share your experience. You can tweet me at beyond the border 3 that's b e y o n d t h e b o r d e 3 to give me feedback. I also want to really thank the people who've taken the time to leave me reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps to get this podcast out to people who may benefit from the material that I'm sharing. It's just nice to hear that the podcast is helping people because that's why I do it and in doing so I help myself. As always I wish you a peaceful 24 hours ahead and at the very least a few peaceful moments in your day. Peace out.